You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds, on Instagram at the nosebleeds, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. What up, y'all? It's Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. How are you doing today, Corey? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm so glad to be here because baseball is finally back, so we finally got something to talk about. No more contract negotiations. It's time to get back on the field. And just like with the nosebleeds, it's time to get it. Yes, indeed. All right, let's start with on this day, June 25th in 2018, Oakland's pitcher Edwin Jackson takes the mound in a 5-4 win at Detroit. And uh, this was a monumental moment because this is his 13th baseball team that he's playing with tied with Octavio Detel's record and in 2019 he played with the Blue Jays which gave him the league record of playing with 14 teams the most in MLB history also can't forget Edwin Jackson on this same day back in 2010 needed only 149 pitches to accomplish in a historic feat with the Arizona Diamondbacks as he went in through a no-hitter against the Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field Winning the game, one nothing. Take a listen. The 0-2 pitch, fastball, ground ball, middle of the diamond. Stephen Drew fields, fires. He did it. Edwin Jackson yes. just threw the second no hitter in Diamondbacks history. Damn. So June 25th, that's called the Edwin Jackson day. <laughs> Edwin Jackson for sure. He became the second Diamondbacks pitcher behind the great Randy Johnson to pitch a no hitter the second in franchise history. So Edwin Jackson just just dominating June 25th for sure. Yeah, for sure. But all right, let's talk about what everybody's been talking about with on everybody's mind, and that is baseball is back. As Corey mentioned earlier, the Major League Baseball owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association finally came to an agreement for the upcoming 2020 baseball season. And this is after months of back and forth, back and forth with the players and owners. And fans were getting restless. We were getting restless. And the decision on Tuesday night was finally made to have a season after the two sides agreed to terms and came up with the safety and testing protocols. Um, here are some key facts and guidelines for the upcoming season. So they both agreed on 60 games over a 66-day period. Opening day is set for either July 23rd or July 24th. Spring training will be on July 1st, if that goes through. And then teams will be playing mostly against their own division and a few interleague games, but those interleague games will be corresponding to their division. So basically, uh, the AL East will play the NL East, the AL West will play the NLS, and so on and so forth. So we're still going to get those freeway series and those subway series that uh, fans love to see. 
and then we have a standard playoff format. So the expanded playoff format that they were talking about is not going to happen. Players will get their full prorated salary. So that's about 37% of their actual full season salary that they were supposed to make. And then the universal DH, which is big because it's the first time in MLB history that this is happening. And then something kind of cool that they were, uh, the, the, the MLB has implemented and that's extra innings starting with a runner on second base. So with all those, uh, facts and guidelines of this upcoming seasons what are your thoughts on MLB finally having a season and all these new rules so great that MLB is having a season I think fans like you said were getting restless and just hoping and praying that the decision would finally get made and a conclusion would finally come down and lo and behold we got it and so I was thinking it'd be like maybe 66 or like 62 games but you know 60 games um, yeah, it's a shortened season, but at the same time, I think that this is going to be pretty good for baseball because it's going to put a lot more onus on uh, the teams and it's going to be, I think, a lot more competitive and every game is going to be must-see TV because uh, sometimes with 162 games, you can't see every single game. But I think with this being a 60-game season, if there's something crazy going on across the league, I think a lot more fans and even people that are just sportsmen in general are going to be more so geared to tune in or wanting to see what's going to happen be, because of how, like, playoff implications are on the line, it seems like, almost every night. And then when you look at the fact that you now have the universal DH, and that's going to be, I guess you could say, a controversial thing because on one hand you have – the baseball purists that feel as if the pitcher should have the bat in their hands. And then the other hand, there are people who just want to see guys rake and hit dingers out here. And so I think the universal DH is going to play into the teams that are offensive minded and have a, a lot more power and a lot more offense in their lineup. And some of these NL teams, um, if they are more into like the small ball and, you know, but I think it just adds more of a dynamic. It adds another hitter into the lineup and it, it, it helps, I think, um, generate more offense, which is something again, that uh, a lot of people want to see. They want to see more runs. They want to see more chances of home runs. And I think also with the extra innings, that's a great way of preventing games from going into the 14th, into the 15th, into the 16th, and on on down into like the deep, deep innings of a game. So it's less likely that with a, a runner on second that you'll see uh, some very long, long games getting stretched out. But I'm happy that uh, that rule kind of got implemented and hopefully they keep that rule because I think that's a rule that uh, baseball should, should – keep at least for the regular season like at least for the regular season you should have it to where a runner starts on second in extra innings just because I think that will uh, create a better dynamic you know get games kind of going and so that you don't have to keep playing like back-to-backs um, or affect the scheduling or anything like that but universal DH I think was the biggest thing that that kind of stood out to me and now seeing this extra innings thing that's another thing I think stands out yeah I think the the part that I was kind of surprised by was um, the MLB sticking with the standard playoff format. I thought they would have gone the extended route just because 
that's more games, which means more revenue for mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. So I thought they would have gone that extended route for 14 teams. And um, but to the Universal DH, I think it's a it's very beneficial for batters in the National League because you know you have those games, and especially if I think I believe it was like 40 out of the 60 games are going to be played in your own uh, division. So if that's the case, having a pitcher hit that kind of takes away at bats from hitters. So adding this uh, designated hitter to the national league definitely helps out players that are on the you normally on the bench now are getting more of an opportunity to hit. And with the whole extra innings starting in the, starting with the runner on second, it's kind of skeptical about it. I'm kind of opening up to it a little bit more. I think obviously I get why they did it to uh, prevent, like long innings such as uh games go into the 18th inning and that's basically like playing two games right there so exactly so i mean i get why they did it but if you think about it if you're if you have the bottom of the lineup coming up all it takes is two bunts to bring that guy home and so so that's why i i mean i know they tested it out in the minor leagues and now they're trying to implement it in the major leagues but i mean there's just so many flaws with it i mean like Think about it. You can literally just bunt, bunt, and the guy will come home. I mean, so you kind of have the defense on their toes too. I mean, I mean, obviously it's a lot easier said than done, but yeah, yeah, it, and it's I a think, possibility. Yeah, and I think that it it kind of puts the onus on the defense a little bit more, and it puts the pressure kind of on that, uh, especially as a pitcher, like straight from the get go, you got a runner on second, and let's say uh, the the pitcher hasn't really faced any trouble. Uh, during his outing, and now all of a sudden he's got a guy on second that he's had to deal with when he's had nobody on base, and maybe uh, the runner on second maybe tries to steal third, or you know, it, it creates all types of drama and all types of uh, situations. Also, that, think, like, who who's gonna be that runner on second? Is it a exactly, tenth man, is, is or it, is it one of the guys in the lineup? Or it's like then you can yeah. just have one of your speedsters stay right. on the bench and then bring him in later. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. A yeah, I think that'd Phillies be something like that. Yeah, I think that that'd be a uh, that's another like interesting idea. Like, what if uh, the the team that's pitching gets to decide who gets to be on on second? Right. That that would be interesting because then the, at least that you you would get the the chance or the opportunity to maybe put like the one of the slower guys in their their lineup or off their bench or whatever to put on a second base to kind of like at least take away the speed element but mm-hmm. either way I think that it's a good idea because like you said uh it it kind of does speed up the game but I can see your point as as it it does uh like two bunts could can potentially just end the game off but um it's like you said it's easier said than done so We'll see how it goes. Right. And obviously with this whole thing, well, the the season's starting so late because of this whole pandemic. So with that comes a huge health and safety protocol that the MLB and the Players Association had to come up with. So it was a 67-page pitch, and here are some notable guidelines from it. And it's actually – some of them are very controversial, but make sense again. One of them is no celebratory contact. That is absolutely prohibited, which means no high five, no fist bumps, and no hugs. So if you hit a walk off, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, like six feet away, social distance, high five kind of a thing. Uh, maybe, another- maybe they could like still do like the Gatorade stuff. Like they love to like uh, chase the guy and like throw Gatorade on him. So maybe they could still do that. 
most of that's not six feet apart so i don't know <laughs> do that um and then some of the obviously traditional stuff baseball is known for uh you know chewing tobacco and they're known for sunflower seeds if anything sunflower seeds became huge because of baseball and the mlb has basically said no spitting at all um and then minimal distance between base runners, fielders, and coaches and umpires will be encouraged as much as possible. I don't know how they're going to do that because if you're trying to pick off a runner, obviously you have a guy – like there's just a lot of <laughs> gray areas with that rule. Um, and then a baseball will be thrown out once it's been touched by multiple players. I don't know what the exact number on the touches is, but I mean – um oh but post-game showers are discouraged so I don't know if that includes you know obviously post-game showers are discouraged maybe the Gatorade showers as well maybe Mm -hmm. discouraged and then uh use of taxis and ride shares are also discouraged and then players will be screened for temperature multiple times per day and tested for coronavirus multiple times per week and anyone testing positive will immediately be in quarantine and they have to pass two tests in order to uh return to play so they have to test negative twice that's just, like crazy like imagine like mid-season or uh like or even your, in a your playoff team's, push yeah or whatever like your team's hot and then like your best hitter gets hit with coronavirus and it's like he's out kind of like, like like with the brewers and then when uh yelich went down with the injury so it's like kind of that situation yeah brewers like that would just hit. be crazy if like you're trying to get ready for the postseason it's like oh yeah, your best guy or your best starter or whatever, he can't play. Well, so, I mean, that's the I risk like, run. Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like that's that's why, like, this this whole pandemic is creating even more drama in itself. That's why it's like, and we'll get to this, like, you know, like, people are predicting who's going to win, like, the World Series and, and how this season's going to play out. But with this coronavirus, you really don't know. We got to first really start the season know. first. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but also another thing they implemented is, is a special COVID-19 injured list. It's separate from the normal injured list. And this one, there's no minimum or maximum length that we know. Like the injured list has a 10-day IL, the 60-day IL. So there's no minimum or maximum time spent on it. So they have a separate list just for their COVID-19 players. Um, so with all these guidelines – and rules and of health and safety protocol what are your thoughts do you think the mlb will you know they they have a good chance of maintaining a healthy and safe protocol for the entire season or do you see any red flags raised um i feel like um there there will probably be uh some mishaps or like some some players uh, we'll probably miss some time during the season. And I, I just feel like that's going to happen regardless of how careful or how safe I feel like that's, you know, hopefully it doesn't, but I'm I'm just saying like, I feel like it's it's kind of set in motion because I'm just looking at um, already we're hearing like Charlie Blackman and like several Colorado Rockies players have been hit with coronavirus, unfortunately, and tested positive. And I'm feeling as if, Baseball is a sport that really has a, a difficult time adjusting to change. And these are creatures of habit when it comes to baseball. Like you talking about guys who have the routines as simple as uh, when they're in the box, like when a batter's in the box and after he takes a pitch, he has to like 
undo like his his gloves or he has to uh, like a certain uh routine that he does or ritual that he does in order to get in his uh his groove or whatever it's the same thing like some guys need their sunflower seeds some guys need their tobacco some guys need to spit or whatever it's it's those are just things that get them kind of in the zone and taking those away is going to be hard for them to i feel initially adjust to how are you going to monitor someone spitting it's just I don't like know. are you you're gonna have a i mean obviously i know they have cameras on each and every player but of i mean of course like what's gonna happen if you spit do you get suspended for you it get thrown or out the game or that's like... what i'm saying like how how anal are they gonna be on this rule yeah i know and and that's that's one of the things that you look at as far as on one end obviously you understand the health issues and you understand the health risk and you understand how important this is on the other end you do realize and understand like, okay, how are you going to do this or how are you going to police this or how are you going to make sure that players are listening and taking precautions and not just being like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I've been doing in the past. And, you know, I don't care about if, you know, I get sick or whatever, this is how I get in the zone. This is how I play. And this is, you know, who I am. You're not going to, you know, force me to, to do this what type of uh, punishments are going to be laid down? Like you said, like are players going to get suspended? And if they are, how long are they going to get suspended? Are they going to like, how many games is a guy going to miss for spitting? (laughs) How many games is a guy going to miss because he wasn't standing six feet apart or something like that or whatever. So that's, that's, those are just some of the things that again, add into the madness of sports coming back because it's already, of course we want sports to be back, but at the same time, as we've always been saying, we want it to be safe and we want it to uh, be in the best interest of those that are taking part of it. And I, I just, I don't know. I mean, part of me kind of wonders like, yeah, it's great to hear the news of uh, MLB returning and coming back, but on the same back burner, are they going to be able to keep everybody safe and healthy? And right now I'm just not fully 100% sure that I can say definitely this is going to be a safe uh, space for everybody and everybody's going to just be safe. But then who knows? I mean, as far as the KBL, KBL seems like they've been doing pretty uh, good so far. Well, it's also because they're not playing in America. <laughs> <laughs> America is the problem. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> any other country other than America has at least some sort of IQ. <laughs> But that, that's a whole different topic. It's a whole different about. topic. A whole um, different topic. But I mean, yeah, and like, first of all, we don't even know if uh, players obviously have to agree to play uh, because, I mean, I mean, we know Clinton Kershaw, he had his whole thing where he said he doesn't want to move his family depending on where the games are played. So, I mean, we have stars like Clayton Kershaw, and then you also have Mike Trout, and not even arguably he is the best player in baseball right now. He, his wife is pregnant and they're due in August 2020. So he, he I mean, obviously he doesn't want to play and bring something back potentially to his pregnant wife or his uh, potential newborn. So, I mean, not even having Mike Trout, that's a huge detriment to the MLB. And it's like, there's also other players that may not have uh, revealed what their concerns are and may not play. I mean, we've seen it in the NBA now with Avery Bradley. He's come out and said that he doesn't want to play. So, I mean, it's it's not going to be a rare occasion and it's not going to be surprising when players say that they don't want to play. But 
I mean, I, I won't be surprised if more players decide not to play because uh, obviously family over their career or sport for this uh, fact. Yeah, and then like you even factor in like what if um what if like a lot of guys are just getting hit with coronavirus? What if I as a player decide mid season or after like the trade deadline or anything like that that like hey I don't know if I can keep playing. Um, yeah, I, I want to obviously be here, but I don't feel comfortable or I feel like, like, what if, like, what if guys, you know, change their minds? Like, is there any room or a wiggle room to be able to, to be a, to, to just be like, Hey, look, I don't know I'm, if I'm I can sure do this. A, I'm sure there's an opt out in there somewhere, but it has to be a legitimate reason. Cause like, you can also think about it. Players maybe. Like, let's say if you play for the Marlins or if you play for the Orioles, you know you're going to be a bottom-dwelling team. And it's like when it comes and you figure out that you've just been eliminated from the playoffs, it's like, okay, what is the point in playing now? I mean, yeah, there's a salary that I get, but, I mean, it's more of a risk for my family, whatever the case may be. So now that I have nothing really worth playing for, do I want to continue playing? And it's like, how do you factor that in? And then, like, also, how do you factor in call-ups, like, how do you well, there's a there was a 60 man roster. That's what they said instead of the 40, and then it's uh, gonna start um, dwindling down. But there's gonna be on the 40 man roster. It's gonna start out as a 60 man roster, and then it's gonna eventually go down to 40 man roster as the season progresses. Um, I think that's when they get kind of more of an idea of which players are gonna play for sure and which players are kind of hesitant to play, and also with how the league is gonna go because it could be like. And I, I've said this whole thing with the NBA too. Like, yes, they're in a bubble and all that, but I mean, I think they're prepared for maybe one, two, three, five, maybe ten guys getting coronavirus. But if like ten guys the next week that turns into fifty, sixty, seventy players getting coronavirus, it's like the M- M- or the NBA or the MLB would be like, oh shit, we weren't prepared for something like this. Maybe they are, but I just don't think they can cope with having that many players or coaches or staff, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like one of the things like I've, I've even thought about like, what if uh, it's game day or whatever, and an entire team just discovers like they have coronavirus. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I'm just thinking like, like you don't, you don't even have a literally coronavirus could take out an entire team for sure out of like contention for anything or a contention of playing or, like, or what if half your roster in the MLB just gets hit with the coronavirus? Like, you can't keep playing if you only have, like, a certain amount of guys on your team. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like I mean, that, I think there's that's a lot of curveball. There's a lot of gray area that, I mean, we'll never know. And obviously, nothing is going to be perfect with this whole pandemic because things don't seem to be getting better. I think we're just – our fear has been – getting is becoming less and that's why we think we're opening more stuff up and yeah i think yeah like you said but, like a but lot of to people, be honest nothing if you look at the numbers hasn't been getting better that's what i'm saying it's like because uh i was having a discussion about it the other day and i was kind of just we were asking each other like do you think things are getting better or do things are getting worse and i kind of was like neutral in the middle because at the at, i'm optimistic because i'm hoping that uh things are getting better but like you said when people when like your fear is like kind of less and less um you're starting to now see like a lot of people are kind of just like not doing like the safety precautions and not going about listening or heeding the warnings or uh wearing masks or 
I don't know, like just certain things that some of their explanations to not wearing a mask is just some, just certain things that you kind of just like question. But at the same time, look, I can't control what other people do. All I can control is what I do, and you just hope and pray that you're doing the best that you possibly can to prevent yourself from getting it. Because some people say that like they don't mind getting it, or they're they're they feel like they're going to get it eventually. So might as well just get it out of the way. I'm under the belief of like, I don't want it at all. So why would <laughs> I want to expose myself? Like anything like, like it's like saying like, Oh, uh, I, 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 I want to get sick now because I don't want to get sick later. It's like, I don't want to get sick at all. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to I mean, get that's kind of, that's kind of the whole thought process with the whole chicken pox thing. It's like, you take your kid or your baby to someone who has chicken pox, so they'll never have to worry yeah, about and it for the rest it to of their them life. Now, so they don't yeah. have to worry about it later. It's like, how about let's not get that right. at all and not have to deal with it at all. So that's my whole thing. It's like, I, I get some people say like, Oh, uh, if you get it the first time, build your immune system. up. So like, if you, if you get exposed to it again, it's not that bad. But I'm like, okay, Again, don't want it at all. Don't want to be exposed to it. And that's not even a guarantee that, like, once you get it, you'll never get it again. It's not even guaranteed. Exactly. Because there's been, I think there's been reports of people who've got it again. Mm -hmm. But I guess they're saying, like, if you get it again, it's not as bad as the first time that you got it. But I'm like, again, don't want Corona. Don't want COVID (laughs) at all. Don't give it to me. Don't come near me with it. So, yeah, MLB and sports in general have a. they still have a, a serious issue with this uh, pandemic. And uh, it's going to be, as far as baseball is concerned, I don't know if these rules are going to go or going to immediately take precedent, like as far as the players actually doing them. But, and then like in the dugout, are they going to sit? Are they going to actually like mm-hmm. sit six feet apart? Because I remember there was a lot of guys just... <laughs> before, before they were talking about having each player sit in the stands and having them six chairs away from each other. <laughs> so you got to come out of the stand. Give me a second. I'm coming down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're going to so. have to have some long-ass walk-up music. <laughs> tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> and when it comes to that, you're going to have vendors. You're just going to see, like, Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout just chilling there with a hot dog. Be like, oh, monster, hey, can you hold yeah. this for me? It's like, hold on one second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, something like that. I would see freaking uh, Christian Yellis just drinking a brew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see that. Um, but, yeah, so we'll we'll see how things pan out with the MLB and see if they can indeed get a season. I mean, they, the agreements are finally done, negotiations are finally done, but now it's the execution part of uh, the MLB. Yeah, um, one thing that we've been talking about, like, as far as MLB, is that they should implement uh, something to where, like, they have, like, the players mic'd up. And I think – I don't know if that happened this season. I don't know if that's going to happen this season, but you would love to see it, though. Yeah, like, you would sure. just love to see it, would especially see now, because you would love to get the insight into, like, what they're thinking, what was your Honestly, decision to want to Honestly, they may not even play. have to like of a player, because if there's no fans, they may be real quiet enough to actually get sound bites just by, by itself. That's very Unle- true. Unless that's they do true. the whole audio thing like the NBA is doing. They said they're going to take uh, sounds from NBA 2K and then <laughs> into the NBA and have, like – fans chanting and stuff like that so we'll see um if that happens but i would i would obviously love i think everyone would love to see players mic'd up but i think that's a whole thing of like a uh one of the guys from the broadcast team going to the player and actually like touching them the mic and stuff like that and i think there's just a lot of 
mm-hmm. a lot more contact that doesn't need to be there. And that's why I think the MLB would scratch that off. That's very true. All right. With yeah, all like, the... like, like we said, like, love to see it. If, if they could execute it in a safe way, love to see it. Yeah. Uh, well, with the MLB season finally, you know, kicking off or starting up, I should say, uh, the World Series favorites are in already. The sports betting is on it just like that. And so far, the Dodgers and Yankees are listed as the consensus favorites to win the World Series at plus 325 to win it all. And then you have the Astros at plus 750, the Braves at plus 1500, and then Twins and National at plus 1800. And the list goes on. So with that being said, who are you predicting wins it all if there is a baseball season? Well, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that there will be a, a season. But, uh, man, dude, like, there's, there was – at first I was looking at the Mets maybe, but then I realized, like, obviously Syndergaard's down with Tommy John. And I just don't really know because, obviously, in the NL East, that's an already tough division as it is. And then, of course, you know, hometown Dodgers here in L.A., I'm looking at them, but I've just seen way too many times of <laughs> every year. It feels like they have a great opportunity, and it it just goes by the wayside. So mm-hmm. I'm not really too sure about it, but well, obviously I, mean, I see years, why they're favorite. Two years wasn't their fault with the whole quote unquote. Of course, of course, I mean, of course, of really course, fault, of course, of course. But at the same time, I mean, like, but I feel you. I, I get, I get what you're coming know. from. I, and then like, like last, last year, year was the ultimate choke when they when they lost to the Nationals. I don't think nobody really expected that, especially like a team like the Nationals who hadn't really done anything in the postseason in God knows how long. And so, Howie Kendrick doing the damage too. I know Dodgers. former Dodger too, that and a former Angel. That's so funny. But but the team that I just keep looking at and I can't stop thinking about as far as MLB, the Chicago White Sox, because you look at that division in the AL Central. Yeah, the Indians are still kind of in the mix, hanging around there. But outside of that, really, you got, like, the Twins, who are the main uh, team that everybody's talking about that's going to take the Central. But you look at this team. You look at this lineup. You got Edwin Encarnacion at DH. You got Luis Luis, uh, Roberts, Eloy Jimenez. You got Tim Anderson, the shortstop. That dude is always doing some crazy stuff. You got Yo Mangata. You got Jose Abreu. They got Yasmani Grandel, who hopefully isn't a liability at catcher, but can do damage with the bat. And then you look well, at their... they also got James McCann. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good backup, too. And then you also look at the pitchers, man. They got a young but studded pitching staff. I also like the fact they got uh, some veterans in there with Dallas Keuchel and uh, Gio Gonzalez. I mean, Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease. You got Lucas Giolito. This team is just stacked, man. I can't, I can't stop looking at them. And the fact that they're in a division like the AL Central, again, Twins are obviously going to be in the mix. And maybe the Indians could be there, but I'm not too worried about the Indians. But I'm just saying, like, if they can win the division and they can get a nice solid uh, first play, playoff, uh, first round uh, playoff opponent, and if they can get past the first round, if they can get to that championship series, look out dude because i feel like the the chicago white Sox, if they can get things going this could be a big time season for them if everything falls into place i think the white Sox were definitely the winners of the offseason with all the moves they made um, and very quiet moves too very quiet yeah. moves. uh 
But I, I don't think they beat the Twins out for in that division. The Twins are just – they had one of the hottest seasons coming off, breaking the major league record for home runs in a season. And they pretty much ha- have everyone back from last year. They haven't really lost anybody. So we'll see what happens. But um, my team I'm going to go with is – I'm kind of iffy on this one, but I'm going to go the Yankees just because of Dodge. I would say the Dodgers because I feel like the Dodgers are the best overall lineup or roster, I should say. But it's just they've let down after let down after let down in the postseason. Fails me to pick them. So that's why I'm going to go with the Yankees. They lost to the Astros last year in the ALCS, and they actually just took the Astros' best pitcher, arguably their best pitcher from the Astros. So and Garrett Cole, so who's coming off a career year with strikeouts, innings pitched, ERA, uh, and but and and also the thing is they weren't completely healthy last year, and they're not going to be completely healthy this year. So that also raises another red flag. But I mean, these guys were one home run behind the record-breaking Twins last season. Uh, main losses really are Didi Gregorius and Cameron Maben. I mean, they haven't really lost anybody else to free agency they kind of retained everyone but um they lost Luis Severino to Tommy John Aaron Judge is questionable to return with his uh fractured rib and but I I think he may be back but then now you have Stanton who's fully healthy DJ LeMahieu's back Labor Torres who had a breakout year last year and is looking yeah. like a star. yeah I feel like he got snubbed I feel like he got snubbed for sure he he's looking like a star in the making and then Gio Urshela and then you have young guys like uh, Clint Frazier in the outfield. And the list just goes on. This team is looking good. And then obviously their rotation, like I said, Garrett Cole, James Paxton, you have uh, Masahiro Tanaka, and the list goes on. And then obviously their bullpen, one of the most dominant bullpens in baseball. So I think this team, the big thing is healthy health. If, if they can stay healthy, they'll be good. If not, then I can see them still getting far because they're that dominant of a team but falling short of that World Series win. So Yeah, it's really hard to argue against the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, when you have, like, you know, one of the best lineups in the game and you have a, 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 a pitcher like Garrett Cole, it's really hard to argue against them. But I don't know, man. I just feel like um, a team in the AL is probably going to take it this year. It's just a matter of who can uh, come out of – of uh, of all that mix, and if any team's able to get past the Yankees, then I feel like they have a really good chance of getting that World Series. But I mean, Yankees definitely creaming the crop right now. Yeah. Um, so now that we've talked about our favorites, who is your sleeper team? Now it's funny that we're talking about sleepers because I feel like this team that I'm about to bring up is not really getting a whole lot of love right now on the national circuit. But you look at the fact that their team is made up of primarily veteran guys or guys who have been in the league for a very long time. And it's got to be the Philadelphia Phillies. And you look at, yes, they're in a tough division that has the likes of the Atlanta Braves who are going to be in the mix. You have also the New York Mets who are going to be challenging and even the defending world series champions, the Washington nationals are obviously going to be contending as well. But I feel like this team uh, could surprise a lot of people. I think that they did a good job of uh, fixing some issues like acquiring Zach Wheeler uh, 
helped out as far as like their rotation wise. And I think that was their main problem was just their pitching was so inconsistent last year. And sometimes their bats kind of went missing, but I feel like if they are able to get that lineup uh, starting to get like a few runs, like you mentioned, Didi Gregorius left the Yankees and now he's with the Phillies. I think that was a big acquisition for them. You still got Bryce Harper. You still got Andrew McCutcheon when he's healthy, he's still solid. Um, And I think that, as long as uh, the pitching kind of holds up and the wagon kind of doesn't just fall apart with this team, who knows, man? I feel like the Phillies could shock a lot of heads. And if they're able to surprise people and maybe even take that division or just be able to get to the postseason, if they get a favorable playoff matchup, maybe Bryce Harper finally gets deep into the postseason and who knows where it can go from there. Yeah, the the Phillies – Definitely have a tough road because, I mean, obviously you have the Braves who are very young and very good, and then the defending World Series champions, the Nationals, and then the Mets, like you mentioned, which might have been one of your favorite teams if Syndergaard was healthy. So, I mean, they have a really tough division to go through, but definitely made some some key acquisitions. And also JT Riomoto is playing on – contract year so we could see if he goes off but I would go my sleeper team is gonna be the Cincinnati Reds uh I think the the Chicago White Sox definitely had the best offseason but I think the Reds are right behind them they didn't sign any of the big names like the Anthony Rendones the Garrett Coles they didn't sign any of those players but they made a lot of acquisitions, such as signing Mike Moustakis, signing Nick Castellanos, uh, Wade Miley after losing Alex Wood. They got brought in a bullpen arm in Pedro Strope, and then now we'll see Trevor Bauer for a full season. And they finished fourth last year in the NL Central, and they're also in a tough division. Uh, I mean, they got the Cubs, they got the Brewers, they got the Cardinals, and then the Pirates are the Pirates. But, I mean, those other three teams are very solid teams. And... I mean, they're, they're set right now. Their odds are in the middle of the pack at number 15, but I think they have a really good rotation. They have a young Luis Castillo. They got Trevor Bauer, like I mentioned, picked up Wade Miley. I mean, and then obviously Eugenio Suarez is coming off a career year as well. So, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a year like the Nationals and secure a wild card spot barely and then just have an amazing postseason run like the Nationals did last year and just surprise the entire uh, baseball. Yeah, man. I mean, like the the Reds. I, I like their their rotation. You got Sonny Gray also in the mix as as well, um, and Trevor Bauer as well. I think that that those two pitchers are going to be really really important for them. And then you look at their ballpark. If they're playing in Cincinnati, that's already a heritage friendly ballpark as it is. So you're going to see a lot of home runs, a lot of offense when the uh when the reds are playing at home so i mean the reds who knows man like you said tough division brewers in there uh cubs are there as well but i i just feel like the reds if if they if they got things cooking on the pitching end they could be a dangerous team to face up against going forward and only 60 games that definitely favors them (laughs) so yeah for sure um well, speaking of the Reds and Trevor Bauer, we had a really funny exchange with Trevor Bauer and Aubrey Huff on Twitter. So if you don't know Reds pitcher Trevor Bauer, he is very, very outspoken on social media, especially on Twitter. 
and he's been very vocal about this whole uh, MLB and Players Association negotiation from the beginning. And he's also been entertaining fans throughout the pandemic. I mean, you see his YouTube videos of him and Derek Dietrich and all mic'd up, and it's actually it's entertaining. It's fun. So he, he's been good yeah. to the fans, is what I'm saying. And I mean, he got his uh he got his phone number leaked by ESPN. And oh, he took yeah. it on the chin. And that was so funny because uh, most people would have just been like pissed off, but he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm doing a giveaway. Just call my number." <laughs> <laughs> and he left like a little voicemail message. That's so yeah. Funny. I mean, you definitely can call him a fan favorite and everything he's been saying about this whole negotiation and this whole pandemic, a lot of people have mentioned maybe he should be one of the leaders for the Players Association. Um, and give, given on what he said in, on, on social media, because he's very, like I said, outspoken, but not only that, he speaks what's on his mind. He doesn't really like, doesn't shelter himself for his brand. He speaks what's on his mind. And uh, the tweet that he he sent out was basically referring to this uh, upcoming 2020 season. He basically said he has so much he wants to say on the whole thing and told players to reach out to him to talk privately because he didn't want to. Some of the things that he would say, and we know what Trevor Bauer would say, is not safe for work. So that's why he said, hit me up about it. And then Aubrey Huff, who was – out of nowhere. Yeah, he was <laughs> Here comes Aubrey up out of nowhere. He uh, played from 2000 to 2012, called him out on his career stats and told Bauer to be quiet before he exposed him out of nowhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> just Bauer randomly. just minding his own business, you know, speaking <laughs> his thing, and then he, here comes Aubrey Huff. And then now Bauer doesn't take any shit, so – uh, Bauer and Huff are basically just going back and forth arguing about somewhere that kind of went nowhere. <laughs> like, there was no, like, it was just entertaining, but there was no, it was like some high school drama type shit with these guys. It really like, was. So it was kind of, it was, it was funny, but they were arguing and entertaining all social media and all fans. Um, and they were comparing each other's uh, war, which is wins above replacement, which basically, if you don't know, is an indicator to many baseball analytics. Uh, used to determine how good or bad a player is and uh, they both had different wars from different websites as well so they kind of called out those websites especially baseball reference which is such a highly sought uh, website that people used for baseball statistics and it was different from another website so it's just like okay which one do you trust now exactly the whole thing it's like oh where do you get that from the internet how do you know (laughs) on the internet is correct the internet told me the internet told me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of that thing, and it was pretty funny. Um, but oh, this whole exchange. And then also, Kurt Schilling stepped in and started going after What? Too. I didn't even see that. Yeah, that happened after the fact. It's <laughs> just like, it was a whole shit show. But it was entertaining during times like this. So what is your whole take and opinion on this whole Trevor Bauer and Aubrey Huff exchange? Like, Trevor Bauer pretty much dropped the mic on Aubrey Huff when he was uh, mentioning the fact. And I kept seeing, like, every single tweet that Aubrey Huff had, every single uh, reply was, dude, why are you even talking? You batted, like, 111 <laughs> in the postseason. Yeah. It was just riding the coattails of the Giants. Yeah, really and, and Trevor yeah, Bauer must have saw he, that. He, and he, he said, like, oh, congratulations on your participation trophies. <laughs> because yeah, because huff tried to flex and he was like yeah i got two world series what about you you choked in the uh world series and then he just called him out he's like dog you didn't do shit <laughs> literally <laughs> your, your team did shit but you didn't do shit that's another that's a great question though like would you rather 
be on like a championship team where you pretty much didn't do anything you just got like some rings for it just because like you were like on, on the bench or would you rather um be like a a tracy mcgrady or like you know like Trout. one of these yeah like like one of these guys who you know has like great career numbers and you're definitely gonna be like a hall of famer but you just never was able to get like that postseason success and i think more often than not, a lot of people will take the rings, but sometimes you look sometimes you look at a player's career, and I think rings don't always tell the story. I feel sure. like in this day and age, uh, rings are important, don't get me wrong, but I think it's different when you look at the total career numbers or when you look at the total career accomplishments. Rings, I think, uh, amplify a career they don't make a career. Like, you know what I mean? Like they don't, it's not like, don't get me wrong. If Michael Jordan never wins any championships, he's obviously not Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's just DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> so, but at, the same, but at the Damn. same time, but at the same time, but at the same time, championships, I think they just, they just add on to your career as a whole and they make your career uh, that much more of a standout. And if you can win multiple championships, that even highlights how much, like, I think you have to be an impactful player and you have to be somebody who is at the forefront of, uh, especially in the team sport element of, of that team winning the championships. If it's just like, you know, Aubrey Huff was flexing about his uh, World Series rings and you, like you said, didn't really do much <laughs> if you were just hitting like one hole. I mean, the guy had not doing anything. Like the guy That's was, to say that Aubrey Hope was like a crappy player. Like he was, you know, he, like had, he, had, like he some, had two or three solid seasons where he hit over 30 bombs, hit over 300. Yeah, over exactly. So, I mean, it's not to say he was just like player, some but, bum or anything like yeah. that. But at the same time, it's like, dude, like it, it's cool that you got those World Series rings and uh, the Giants those years were like just like out of this world. But come on, Aubrey Huff flexing those rings at Trevor Bauer, making Trevor Bauer look like he was like some no name or something like that was just like unnecessary right. completely. Um, yeah, on this one, I'm going, I'm going Team Bauer all the way, and it's, I, I guess it's not that I'm pro Bauer, I'm more anti Huff because I was looking at, <laughs> I was looking at Aubrey Huff's Twitter, and I didn't realize this guy's a he's a fucking racist. <laughs> if you look at his tweets, like it, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like he was making fun of the bubble Wallace situation, calling it a hoax. And he basically retweeted a picture of a white car hood in the garage. He's like, Oh my God, it's a white hood in the garage. <laughs> and it's just like, and then he talked about all lives matter. So, I mean, this guy's a racist. So it's like, what the heck? And know, also Trevor Bauer's just hilarious. So that's why I'm going to go pro Bauer on this one too. And um, it's, it's hilarious because there's a lot of people who are on the same page as me and they went to the extent of trolling the shit out of Aubrey. <laughs> oh yeah. I saw that. I saw let, that me, let me read some of these tweets to you guys. Someone slid into Aubrey Huff's DMS and said, Hey, there's a stat called Bofa where you beat Bauer by far, if you want me to send it to you, hashtag MAGA, which is making America great again. And then Aubrey Huff replied, uh, no idea what this is. And the guy said, both of these nuts in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said to the Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer was like, perfect execution. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, do, do you know who Johnny Sin is? Yeah, yeah. So you know who Johnny said it. So there was another funny one where it's basically this guy was like, Aubrey, my best friend Johnny Sin is a frontline officer in Vegas and is a Giants fan of yours. Can you get a shout out? And if you don't know who Johnny Sin 
I don't know if I would say look him up. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, do your research. I mean, if you know, at you know. Risk, at your own risk, do your research on him. But this guy is, like, known for playing a lot of roles in videos. And Adult videos. There's, 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 a, there's a picture of him in a police officer outfit, and he, this guy tweeted, he's like, can you give him a shout-out? He's, he's a giant fan of yours. And then Aubrey Huff said, send him my best things for his service. <laughs> <laughs> and the list just goes on and on and on. So oh my God, he got trolled. He's been attacked by the by the trolls of Twitter. And yeah, that's it. that's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, maybe you should just hop off. Like at, <laughs> at, at that point in time, it's just like you're just not having a good day on social media. Time to just delete or, or deactivate the account real quick, go private. But no, back to my question though, like, like, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of times, like, people, like, hold up uh, championships on a pedestal, but, like, what do you think, like, as far as, would you rather have, like, like, just looking at it, like, right now, would you rather have, which of these players, like, would you rather have Trevor Bauer's career, or would you rather have Aubrey Huff's career right now? Uh, I would probably say Trevor Bauer, even though Trevor Bauer hasn't had, like, he had a couple good seasons, but nothing, like, amazing to like where he's a hall of famer for sure right now but i would i see how anything could, could we just use aubrey huff in a different name because i just don't like the guys so like, yeah for sure for sure Trevor like, bauer if, or if, if, if it was like some guy who just happened to get like some champions we'll say johnny sin we'll call him johnny sin. <laughs> yeah, johnny sin. <laughs> so we'll put we'll put aubrey huff's career as johnny sin so yeah what I want, so if so it comes to johnny sin or I trevor take, bauer i would take johnny sins for sure just because um i mean it's not like he was a terrible player in the regular season. So it's kind of, and he has the two rings. So, but at the same time, I do 100% agree that rings are not everything. Like you look at a Rick Fox versus uh, Charles Barkley. Like, like, come on, (laughs) Charles Barkley has no ring. Rick Fox. People, yo, people got to stop like with the disrespect of Charles Barkley. Yeah. He says some crazy stuff and some wild stuff every now and then, but at the same time, it's like, Yo, as far as his NBA career, the dude was an MVP. A monster. This dude got to the finals. This and, and, and was denied and was denied just like several different times. He tried to finesse his way to a ring, but it just the didn't Rockets. work. Yeah. yeah, it just didn't work. So I mean, I mean, you saw Malone do that too. Carl Malone did that too when he joined yeah, the Lakers. Like when he tried to join up with the Lakers, and it's not like you know it wasn't like they didn't try to get a ring, but. It just didn't work out. But like I said, like, I don't think that the, uh, Charles Barkley not having a championship is something that is – is he's still a, a legendary Hall of Fame player. Yeah, so, for sure. And the same thing like with Carl Malone, still a, like a, a Hall of Fame level player. And so I think that it depends on – I think you just have think- to take – you have to take the full – the full career into the equation, not just the playoff success, not just the career success. Like there's yeah, because I mean Robert like, Ory like, has like several rings. <laughs> yeah. So. so I mean, take take it how how you will, because if you just do the whole ring thing, then yeah, you can say Robert Ory ha- is better than LeBron James. Which we all <laughs> I mean, know. I mean, imagine. It's probably something that. Skip Bayless would say. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past that. Fool. I mean, Robert Ory better than LeBron James because he has more rings. Yeah, but but like, but now nah, our listeners out there, like, which which would you which career would you rather have? Would you rather have like a stu- uh, 
like a, a great career, but you just didn't win a championship or you won like a championship, but you really were not really well known in, in the sport that you played. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to say that Trevor Bauer won't win one because the guy still has. Yeah, he still got time. He yeah. still got time. So, and like I said, the Reds are on my sleeper team. So, hey, speaking to existence, it's not, it's not, it's not impossible because a lot of people said they nobody even expected the Nationals to make the playoffs last year. So they barely made it. It's not. It's not. And when impossible. they did, they just went on a run, and they almost got knocked out in the wild card against the Brewers. They were down. And that's that, very true. That's just that's turned very it up. True. Oh, man. All right, let's move on. We got some NCAA football to talk about. Uh, the NCAA basically came out, and the Division One Council approved a six-week practice plan that begins in July and will transition teams from current voluntary workouts amid the coronavirus pandemic to typical mandatory meetings and preseason camps to prepare for the 2020 college football season. Since they came out with that statement, a lot of colleges and players and coaches have tested positive for coronavirus. Texas had 13 players test positive for COVID-19. 10 more players were identified through contact tracing or in um, self-quarantine, but they're asymptomatic, so we don't know 100% yet. Uh, Clemson confirmed that 21 members of their football team tested positive but now the team has 23 confirmed cases overall. Kansas State suspended football workouts for 14 days after 14 athletes from various sports tested positive from coronavirus. Um, a large number of LSU players were placed in quarantine uh, due to the spread, and at least 30 athletes, possibly more, have been placed in quarantine. So with all this being said, do you think the NCAA should continue on with uh, their mandatory meetings in preseason, or should they hold off on it? I feel like um, the 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 reason that there's been such a heavy push for the the camps and the things of that nature is because, like we said, like the off season for football, and it's not just pro football, but also college football, and at any I think any level of football is important because it's like when you build like your bond and your chemistry, and you get to <clears throat> develop as a team and as a unit. And and really uh, get things kind of going as you start to push closer and closer to the season starting. But I think that it's important right now to just bear in mind that the risk versus the reward. Like, yeah, we're gonna gain, get better as a team, and yeah, we're gonna, uh, you know, uh, grow as a team. But is that worth potentially? These are young men, and, and these are young athletes that you know we're putting at risk health wise. And it makes me think back to the the tragedy that happened uh, with Maryland where there was off season workouts taking place. And uh, fortunately some kid died from a heat stroke uh, because like they were just pushing him way too, way too much. And just like, think about that. But now think about you're putting kids at even a bigger risk because there are health concerns and not a lot of people are even thinking about them right now. Yeah. And not to mention none of these players are getting paid at yep. all either. So that, really... that's a big thing. Cause I mean, at least in the pros, there's incentive to right. you know, play your contract or. And players you're, you're know also paid, that like, only, a lot of money. only 10% of these players are going to go on to play in the NFL. So, I mean, 90% of these 
guys like they're playing for the love of the sport and obviously to try to make a career out of it but it things don't go as planned so is it worth risking your life or even life around you for this and i mean i think the ncaa well we we all know the ncaa is corrupt when it comes yes. to this type of yeah, stuff yeah i mean but. definitely shady stuff goes on with the ncaa and a lot of st- the majority of the time the things that they do is for <clears throat> business and money reasons but I, I just don't feel like the show should should just go on as normal and at least if it is gonna go on and you're gonna have these mandatory meetings and you're gonna have these camps open up and you're gonna have schools open up their athletes and bring them to campus and all that other stuff at least have it to where like there's some sort of health official or there's some sort of person there or there's somebody overseeing it that can somewhat protect the interest of the players because I don't know if the NCAA has the the best interest of the players I don't know if all these coaches have the best interest of the players I mean they say they do but at the end of the day the players are going to know better as far as do the co- are the coaches more so focused on trying to win which obviously like you know they have a contract and they're trying to make sure that they do us the best interest of them so that they can continue to feed their families and they can continue to have a job. So it's kind of like that. that, That's kind of the perfect point that you made. Then that brings it back to the whole interview you had with Kyle Benton, when he was talking about these power five colleges, when the coaches do what's best for their interest and not really for the players. Exactly. So you kind of have to just, just factor that in as a player and uh, guys on these teams that you got to do what's in the best interest of you. And whether that is disappointing to your teammates, whether that's disappointing to your coaches, whether that's disappointing to your school, whether that's disappointing to uh, fans of, of the team, whatever the case may be, it's not like at the end of the day, these people are going to pay for your medical bills. It's not like at the end of the day, these people are going to, um, you you will be blamed if you get coronavirus, because that's what I've seen. Like everybody who is like some sort of public figure or is well known when they contract it, everybody looks at them like, 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 how'd you get it? Like, what did you do? Like, how'd you put yourself in that position or whatever? You You brought it upon yourself. Exactly. 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 So you got to do what's in the best interest of you and you got to make sure that your health is number one priority. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, player that there are some players that are definitely thinking what you're thinking right now and we've seen it with ucla football players 30 players have come out and one former player had come out and signed a letter asking for third party health officials to be put in charge of overseeing and enforcing health and safety guidelines just because like you said they don't know if their coaches and their staff are looking in the best interest of their players they may say they are but you don't know and that's why they want that third party to come in and um Players and staff also want a quote-unquote whistleblower to report COVID-19 health and safety guideline violations. Like the NBA, we've seen it called, or Kyle Kuzma called it the snitch hotline. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, UCLA kind of want to implement something like that. But with that being said, like, do you think this is a good choice for players to speak out? And do you think more univer- teams or universities should demand a third-party third party health officials to come in and oversee the whole health and safety protocols oh 100 i think that should happen because uh like i said you don't just want to be reliant on 
somebody else to be backing you in your corner. Uh, and I'm glad that UCLA um, players came out and spoke about this because um, as much as people are talking about, like, you know, obviously this has been a very sensitive time as far as uh, what's been going on with like the protests and stuff like that. But also people need to factor in that this is also a time where you have to be aware of your health. <laughs> you have to be aware of your health. Like, and you have to be aware of uh, people that you come in contact with and uh, the places that you go and when you go and how, you know, just, just, you have to be careful how you move at this, at this point in this stage in the game. And I think that bringing in somebody to at least oversee that isn't employed by UCLA or isn't employed by the NCAA, it should, it should, it should be happening and it should be happening in the best sake, in the best interest of the student athletes. Because at the end of the day, if, if, if we always hear, and we've always heard growing up, like, Oh, the kids are the future, the kids are the future. Well, the kids are the future. Well, should we be treat them like it? Yeah. Should we be making sure that they're protected? Should we make sure that they are, um kept healthy because at the end of the day we don't want them uh to develop like any sort of like uh issues or anything from this disease yeah not even that but like also nobody's even talked about like the mental health issues as Mm -hmm. far as what's been going on with the pandemic and a lot of people are having like anxiety and having depression over this and like i'm sure that's happening with like uh football players what's happening with uh, student athletes as well and is there different outlets that they can have where they can be open and genuine about their concerns and be able to voice their concerns without uh fear that it's gonna potentially hurt them on the depth chart or hurt their playing time or not only that hurt their scholarship or something like that yeah not only that but i also think that so many athletes nowadays put all their marbles and all their chips into sports in itself and that's why a lot of people are like make sure you have a backup plan yada 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 but it's like you know you're gonna be a a first round pick drafted you know you're gonna be at least drafted and go to the nfl but you never know something like a COVID 19 hits and that could derail your entire uh plans so i mean it, it, it you feel for these players for sure that yeah i mean i feel for pretty much a lot of people who are going through uh tough times and a tough situation but it's just like with sports not a lot of people are even considering the fact that this pandemic has had such a big influence and a big impact on those who aren't making any money right now but or making little money <laughs> from professional sports right. so it's just it's just tough, and a lot of people are just doing the best they can in order to not only provide for their family, not only help out their families, but keep their families safe above all above all else. And I think that that should also follow suit with uh, these players and these student athletes as well. Because, like I said, if you're not looking after them, then it's like, what the heck, dude? Like, why why am I even playing out this scholarship if you don't care that I can potentially contract a deadly disease? All right. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of The Nosebleeds. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you guys haven't already, follow us on social media, on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, Instagram, the nosebleeds, Facebook, type search up the nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star review. Write us a, write us a little nice little note review, you know, help us out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Corey, any last words? 
Shout out to Trevor Bauer. And I hope y'all <laughs> <laughs> and make sure y'all enjoy Edwin Jackson Day because like we said, Edwin Jackson, June 25th, this is his day of all days. Yes, sir. And we out deuces.